and we go out there and we ask and we and we seek help, we seek counsel, we seek advice, and we find those people who've done what we want to do. And we tell them, hey, man, I've got this problem. I know it, it seems insurmountable to me, but you you surmounted it. Show me how you did it. You're going to be better off than when you, where, where you're at now. Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Today, we are joined by Shaheem, uh, an Amazon master, and uh, excited for him to share some insights with us. So, uh, Shaheem, you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure, yeah. My name is Shaheem Shan. I'm a serial entrepreneur started my first company in the early 1990s, quickly grew it to over a billion dollars in revenue. I talk about that in my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrillpoke Cult. For anybody that's interested, check it out. And now I'm a Amazon entrepreneur. I coach and train people how to create recurring revenue streams on Amazon. I invest in early stage startups, primarily in health and wellness. And I'm a dad. Probably the best best things going in my life. That's an important one. It takes a lot of time too. Um, a lot of time. As we jump in, right? So once you reach that point of profitability, right? Didn't have to worry about roof over the head, food on the table, uh, and you you had money coming in that you had to make some strategic decisions. What was your framework that you used in terms of you know where you invested your money? What uh, what did you do originally, and kind of what are you doing now? So that's interesting. And I was telling somebody this too. I actually it comes down to what I think is the definition of wealth. And I, I've said this for years that wealth really can be defined by how well you can live within your means, not how much money you're bringing in. Because even if you're bringing in a million bucks a month and you're spending a million too, you're still really poor. But if you're bringing in 200 grand and you're only spending 20 grand, you've got a big surplus. You're living very well. And that's what I think truly the definition of wealth is. So my situation is kind of unique. I left home at an early age. We were immigrants. We came to this country. I didn't speak any English. And I left home at a very young age. Uh, roughly around 15 years old and went out to kind of find my fame and fortune. And I was sleeping on the beach and in abandoned buildings and abandoned cars. I literally had nothing, no friends, nothing. And so fast forward a little bit, if you guys are interested in the story, you can check out my book. Um, but later on, uh, I remember getting my first apartment and this is a memory that's like engraved into my brain. And it was a nice apartment, right? But I'd been sleeping in the back of a car. And this was like a two-bedroom, you know, kind of like a luxury apartment in Venice. I remember, and and I remember I had to make like a hundred grand in cash. I had a hundred grand in cash in the 90s, which I don't know how much that is by today's standards, but it was a lot back then before I even got an apartment. And I remember just sitting there and just looking at this bag that I had because when I left home, I had one backpack filled with everything I owned. And when I made my first 10,000 bucks, I went out and I bought a pair of shoes. And, and why did I buy a pair of shoes? I thought, man, if this all goes away tomorrow, if everything that I've earned disappears and they take it all away, at least I'll have a new pair of shoes that I can walk to whatever my next journey and adventure is. I don't have to wear a shitty pair of shoes. 
And I never wore those shoes. They were hanging from that bag. And now I'm a hundred grand up. I'm sitting there in, in this beautiful apartment, not a stick of furniture. I didn't get any furniture for like a year. It was crazy. And, and I, I was, I was making hundreds of millions of dollars. I never bought furniture. I'm looking at this bag thinking, fuck man, that motivates me. Cause every day I would look at this bag and my bank account would go up, go from a hundred thousand to a million to 5 million to 10 million. And you know, the millions and millions kept coming in. And then eventually we made it to the 350 million mark. And that was reported in Newsweek. And there's a big details uh, spread about me. And um, so there was, there was all this stuff, but I remember like thinking back to myself, like, man, that's kind of like the grit that I come from. That's the culture that I come from. That's my mindset is that I brought myself to where I am. And at any moment I could go back and I look at that bag and I get out there and I fucking work hard and I hustle and I didn't sleep. And I, I did what Elon did and what Steve Jobs did. And I slept on the factory floor. Not that I'm to be compared with those guys, but I appreciate that mentality, that grit, that I didn't feel that I was entitled to anything. I had to go out there and get everything I earned. And the, and the reminder that it could all go away at any moment. Like we, we are never more than two, no matter how well you think you are, you're no, no more than a few steps away from the guy that has nothing. And it's that, I think that hunger, that grit that can only come from adversity and struggle and challenges and, and finding yourself in tricky situations and solving those tricky situations and those tricky problems that builds that type of character. You talked about kind of controlling living expenses, right? As a component, right? Um, Being appreciative of where you've come from, uh, not taking for granted what we've got. So it took a year to buy for like, so what changed where you said, okay, I've got all this money that's now in the bank to going and spending it or investing it, like, you know, what kind of happened either with you or with the company that it was like, that flipped that switch. And that's cute. I love the concept of banks. So for you guys who don't understand what I did, um, for your viewers who may not have had an opportunity to read my book, in the 1990s, the rave scene, the electronic dance music scene was, was crazy. It was, it was huge. It was the biggest thing going. People were going to raves, not so much to concerts. Well, there was a big drug at that time called ecstasy, MDMA, methamphetamine, still one of the most popular drugs, but back then the supply had dried out. And as a 15-year-old, I came up with a formula that was legal. And as the supply of ecstasy died, my supply came in. Now, initially, we did have bank accounts. At some stage, banks started cutting our accounts, and I had to figure out a way to manage all this money. So I, I, I do remember when we broke a billion dollars in revenue, and it was a combination of cash and bank accounts, although I preferred cash. And I remembered looking at my office in these massive duffel bags of cash, I mean, stacked up. And thinking to myself, fuck, what am I going to do with all this cash? Like, I got to take it to the bank slowly. If you take it to the bank, they report you. Like, what am I going to do? Um, but I had duffel bags worth of cash, and I thought, I got it. I'll get an accountant. That don't know what to do. And I remember learning very quickly that accountants are not, and this is a great thing for any budding entrepreneurs to note, they are not the guys that count the cash in the duffel bags that are stacked in your office. So 
pro tip, life lesson. So, you know, there was a period of time where I just started looking at the zeros accumulating on my accounts and the cash literally stacking up in, in, in my accounts. And just there was a fear of like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to control all this? Like, I don't know what to do. I, I had a grade school education. I dropped out like eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere around then, um, beginning of high school, whatever that was back then. And so I, I had no education in business. I had no education in running a company. So I, I just remembered all the moments where something big happened. And I remember, I'll, I'll tell you an even crazier story about it. So there was so much money floating around in those days. You remember, this is before the internet, before smartphones, before Apple, before any of that stuff really popped. We had fax machines. I had fucking five fax machines in my office. Right? You remember fax machines? That's how shit got done. Yeah. Um, and I, I even remember when we started getting fax spam. I was like, "What is this shit?" It was like, "Join a cruise line," and like fucking rolls would be done. We had to change our fax numbers. But I remember being in my office, and I had my dog. And I don't know what I must have had an aversion to furniture because my house was totally empty. I'd go on dates and bring girls over, and they think I was like a, a serial killer. They'd be like. You've got a fucking massive apartment and, and zero furniture. I go to my office and I have very little furniture in my office. And I remember being in my, my office um, and like there's piles of papers everywhere. I hated fucking paperwork. And, you know, like my attorney was downstairs and we were trying to like solve like all these problems. And my dog knocks over this pile of papers and I look and I'm shuffling through the piles and there's like an uncashed check for a million dollars. There's a million dollar check. And I remember that moment because it, it captured my attention of like looking at this check and just absolutely not caring and throwing it back on the pile. Like, yeah, I'll get to it. And, and that's what those days were like. But it reminds me that at those times, at those times of like extreme flow and extreme abundance and of like, it felt like I could do no wrong. Like no matter what I did, it would be successful because I was so in that flow. And at the same time, it was like somebody had opened the spigot and money was just, just flowing. And I remember that feeling. It's one of the most extraordinary feelings ever. So you talk to the accountant, the accountant can't help you count the cash. So you still got cash and checks, right? And so money is probably a tool for you, I would imagine, right? As opposed to a lifestyle, right? And you use it to enhance different components. Um, how did you start applying that, right? And using the cash, right? Like, what did you want to go do? Obviously, you were in the flow and it sounds like the business was uh, most important thing at the time and driving that and, you know, having the success, not having to worry about, you know, food or furniture because you didn't care. How did that start to flip? Right. And, uh, obviously you talked about angel investing today. Uh, I'm yeah. sure you've got bankable assets today that are invested in other, you know, uh, yeah. investments that require bankable assets. Right. And so like, how did you get from, piles of money in the, um, in the vault room, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, uh, Pablo Escobar gold toilet or <laughs> to, uh, you know, where you are today. What, what did that journey look like for you? Yeah. So 
the herbal ecstasy kind of winded down at a certain point. I exited and different parts of it were sold off from time to time. Um, and so that whole thing ended because it was kind of this meteoric event where it just, you know, went up so crazy and you couldn't turn on the news without seeing me on there. And finally, like things shifted over the course of a few years. Uh, from there, I went on to doing several different things. One of them was inventing all the technology that you see now in vapes and vaporizers. Um, all that technology was technology that arose from patents and technology that I developed. Nobody knew what a vape was until we invented it. So that was the next category that I went into solving the problem of smoking, um, which I saw as a big problem. From there, I went on, believe it or not, to day trading. And I started day trading heavily uh, leveraged uh, commodities, uh, futures, options, uh, options on futures, um, all types of derivatives, which taught me a lot. I learned a lot about the markets. I knew nothing about that. Uh, and from there, I went on to learning about how to, you know, I had my kid about eight years ago. Uh, and I went on about two years before that. I thought, man, I, I really got to um, get my brain to a place where it's performing better. So I came up with a supplement called Accelerol. And I thought, man, how am I going to sell this thing? And I learned about this little guy, this little nerdy bald guy from Silicon Valley. His name was Jeff Bezos. And he was started this platform to sell books. And back then, you'd get a hold of him. You could text him. You could email him. You could do whatever. And he'd get back to you. He wasn't the richest guy in the world. He was a struggling tech entrepreneur. And we learned that Jeff was opening up the platform to third-party sellers to be able to sell whatever they wanted to on the platform. So that's what we did. We started selling the supplement on there. And overnight, we made hundreds of thousands of dollars selling this brain supplement called Accelerol, still on the market today. Uh, and I decided, hey, there's more to this guy than meets the eye. He's going to be a market disruptor. And I became an early investor in Amazon and also an early uh, investor in Amazon companies. So we started building out these companies on the Amazon FBA, the Seller Central platform where Amazon allows people like you and me to start companies. And now I've got a program called uh, FBA Seller Course. Um, Amazon Mastery, where we coach and train people. Anyone that's interested, it's fbasellercourse.com, or I'll give out my email uh, before we end, and you guys can reach out to me by email. And uh, it's a one-hour course. It's absolutely uh, free to your viewers. So if you guys mention the show, I'll give it to you guys for free. And we teach people how to start these Amazon businesses and grow them so they can have a nice exit. So over the course of the last several years, I've had several exits. I've had all that stuff. I've had the collection of exotic cars. I've had the houses. I've flown in the private jets and traveled with the celebrities and been to all the parties. And I've done all that. And, and really what motivates me today is being a mentor and a coach to people to help people stop selling their hours. That's one of the things that I'm, I'm most excited about of of helping others, empowering others to enable them to reach this financial freedom that, that anybody uh, who has the will and the grit to get to. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing now in a nutshell, if that makes sense. Fascinating. Uh, just like 
you're talking about formulation of the drug, right? Technological yeah. components for a delivery vehicle, right? For nicotine, right? Like off to yeah. tech, like was, was all this self-learned? Like how did you, what was the, the nugget behind the, you know, the insight of the drive to, to get into all these different, you know, business verticals? Well, I think initially I did have a chip on my shoulder, right? We came to, to America. I didn't speak English. And my folks were solid middle class in Iran. And when we came here to the United States, all of a sudden, we were not only second class citizens. Not only did I not speak the language and we were refugees, immigrants, but we were also poor. My dad had to work odd jobs. He worked at a pizza store. He worked at a dry cleaners where he ended up working for over 30 years, making no money, just selling his hours, working his fingers to the bone. And I remember we moved into a neighborhood that was kind of like up and coming. They got every, you know, they scraped together every penny that they had and borrowed from friends and family so they could buy this house. The only thing that they did that was done right. And I remember watching all these like massive mansions as the neighborhood gentrified, watching all these mansions roll up around us. And I was just in my early teens looking around going, man, I want a piece of that pie. I want, how do you, how does, how does that guy get the Porsche and the beautiful blonde and the seat next to him? And how does he get like, that guy's got two Rolexes. And you know, I, yeah, we didn't have any of that. I remember like some of those kids I'd go to school with them and I went to school with this one kid and his dad was like, you know, super wealthy. And I remember like I was over at his house and he was like, oh yeah, my folks are gone. I'm like, oh man, we're going to starve. He's like, no, no, no. Which like here, order what you want. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what are these? This, what is this magic? He's like, they're menus. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll have some French fries. He's like, no, no, just get, you can get, I'm like, wait, I can have a hamburger and a pizza and someone's going to bring it to me. He was like, yeah. And I'm like, and how will you pay for that? He was like, you know, it's critical. My dad left me the card. He said, just get what you want. And it just blew my mind. I had never ordered food like that. I'd never been to a restaurant like that. My mom made every single meal we ate. But I remember thinking to myself, man, I, I want to do that. I, I want to have that kind of wealth. And I was going to have it. I just didn't know how. And there was no path for me. So as I got older, it was the desire to achieve those things that were out of reach for me during my formative years growing up. So what's the thing you're going after now? Well, now look, I'm, I'm at a place now in life where I've got the houses, I've got the cars, you know, family's the number one thing for me. So the, the single most important thing. And mostly what we do is we take time off and we travel and we see the world with me, my, my beautiful wife and my eight-year-old. And while we're traveling, these companies that we've mentored and coached to, to start along with our own companies are creating these streams of recurring revenue. So I'm most excited about helping empower other people to achieve their, their highest potential of wealth. At the same time, we just uh, started a new startup uh, called Podcast Cola for anybody that's interested. And we figured out this algorithm. My wife, who's actually a publicist, helped figure it out where she was a publicist for the United Nations working under Kofi Annan, like a big New York uh, publicist. And together we figured out um, 
this algorithm that enables anybody to be booked on great shows just like this one. And that's called Podcast Cola. So we've been doing that. That company is blowing up. It's a startup um, that we've both invested in pretty heavily. And so anybody that's interested in getting booked on shows, check us out at Podcast Cola. Um, and I'm excited about that. I've done about 200 uh, shows right now, realizing that I think, you know, Joe Rogan really forged the path forward for a lot of us podcasters. I'm sure yourself included and really showed that podcasting is the next great uh, way to be able to market any product or service. You know, there it's evergreen, right? This show that we're doing now, somebody might be listening to this in six months and go, man, I'd love to learn about Amazon or I'd love to, you know, start getting on podcasts. People listen to them, but most importantly, you get to sell whatever it is that you're selling through the medium of storytelling. You're not doing the old style uh, uh, push marketing where you're trying to push whatever it is that you're offering down somebody's throat, but you're giving an opportunity to get to know you, to get to know your story. They're going to hang out with you on their commute. They're going to hang out with you while they're at the gym. They're going to hang out with you when they're going on a walk or walking their dog or whatever. And when they're done, they've spent time with you. They spent an hour with you. So they get to know you. They, and and it, it's impossible to get to know somebody in a, in a three-second Facebook app. Like That's what we learned about like Facebook and, and Instagram is people are just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, my God. All right, no, now I got to go to Amazon and buy that thing. And then, oh, yeah, no, now the phone's ringing. Now this, now that. Oh, look at that cool TikTok dance. And people lose attention. That doesn't happen with podcasts. So if anyone's interested, check out Podcast Cola, uh, and we'll include a link in the show notes. And if you guys are interested in, in Amazon, you guys can email me directly. I give out my email on every show. is darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. If I can help you out, I, I'm, I'm available. Really appreciate that. Uh, as we close out here, Shaheen, what's uh, you know, one piece of advice or recommendation you'd leave with the audience? I guess seek advice, seek counsel. Um, when people ask me this in, in shows, every time I think my answer is different, but it, it always kind of gears towards this kind of mentorship where there are people who have done what you want to do. And not every problem is a problem for you to solve. The problem comes up when we believe our own bullshit, when we tell ourselves that something can't be done, when we tell ourselves that that thing that we want is out of our reach, that that thing is impossible. And that usually happens because we live in a fucking vacuum, work in a vacuum. Uh, Entrepreneurs, I mean, I know just being a man, like we have a tendency to like take a problem and like want to really like deal with that problem on our own without seeking uh, you know, help from, from outside of us. But if we allow others in and, and we go out there and we ask and we, and we seek help, we seek counsel, we seek advice, and we find those people who've done what we want to do, and we tell them, hey, man, I've got this problem. I know it, it seems insurmountable to me, but you, you surmounted it. Show me how you did it. You're going to be better off than when you, where, where you're at now because we're all going to come across problems in life, right? I mean, my, my challenges were extreme. I had literally nothing and was literally sleeping on the beach. So I came from less than nothing to where I'm at now. So if I could do it, I think anybody who has the will, the determination, and the grit can do it. 
but you have to have that desire and you have to seek counsel. You have to find others who've done what you want to do. And again, I invite you guys, my email, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. Reach out to me if I can help you build an Amazon business. Uh, I'll send you my one-hour course for free. Use the code one hour uh, in the uh, one hour seven figure. Let's go one hour seven figure in the subject heading, and we'll give you that one hour course for free. Awesome, Shane. I appreciate you being on the show today and uh, sharing insights with the audience. Super fun, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on the Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 